Wilson looking to drive, blows by his man. Right hand layup, good! And Adams! Here's a lob, there's the slam! Brady Dick on the throwdown! Well, here we are, another edition of the Jayhawker Podcast, brought to you by the University of Kansas Health System as Per normal, I'm joined by Wayne Simeon and back-to-back 20-game winner, Brandon Snyder. Brandon, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Uh, last night, big night for you. Uh, unfortunate, you didn't make the NCAA tournament, but you guys have turned it into a positive back-to-back home games in the women's NIT. Uh, last night, beating our old arch rival, by the exact same amount of points that the men beat them this year, which did you did you keep people in just to get to that twenty eight point margin? I was not a, I, I I was not aware of the exact uh, I, margin of victory. Seventy five uh, to forty seven last night. The men won ninety five to sixty seven. So uh, welcome, and uh, let's talk a little bit about last night. You know, it was it was obviously my first um, opportunity, and and our our teams first opportunity in a long time to compete against Mizzou and um, I've lived in the state of Kansas now for for 23 years and um, feel like I have a pretty good understanding as to you know what competing against Missouri means um, you know to our school uh, to our community and and to our state and couldn't be prouder of uh, the competitive effort uh, that that our young women demonstrated last night. You know, it was a game that uh, didn't get any scoring from your bench. All five starters counted for all the points. Uh, but 51% from the field, made 10 threes, 10 out of 20. Uh, Zakiah led with 21. But it was, a, it was a team effort with those starters. Well, and, and what I would say is, um, you know, I know our bench uh, didn't light up the stat sheet, but they didn't have a turnover. So um, I thought they came in and played hard and, um, you know, were assignment correct defensively. Uh, we felt like we were going to see a lot of zone. And fortunately, um, you know, we made threes and uh, were able to get them out of it, um, at least in the first half. Wayne was on the call last night. What did you see? Yeah, well, uh, exactly what you were saying. It was great to be able to see the, the benches production in, uh, in other capacities. But, of course, uh, the most production came from uh, your two all-conference players, uh, Zakai Franklin and, and Tiana Jackson. And just talk about the type of season that they've had. Obviously, they had big games last night. But uh, throughout the, the, the full year, uh, they've been playing at, at a high, high level, which has led your team in, in a significant way. Why don't you talk to us about them? You know, KB's a player that um – you know, has gotten all-conference recognition every year, but in an, in an honorable mention capacity. So it's great to see her persistence, her dedication, um, and hard work pay off to develop into a first-team all-conference player. Um, you know, she's shot the ball really well. In, in the offseason, she and I talked about extending her range. She was one of the few players on our team that I felt like when the three-point line moved back, it hurt her a little bit. And uh, she worked really hard to extend her range and is now shooting, um, you know, I'd have to check, but in the high 40s uh, from three this year. And then I don't think there's a player uh, that's a more improved player than Tyana Jackson in the country. Um, She's doubled her statistics. Uh, I think last year obviously showed that she was a terrific defender and rebounder. 
but the hard work that she's put in with, with Coach Terry Nooner uh, in the offseason to further develop her offensive skill set um, has, has really paid off for her. I, I read a stat the other day. I think she's the first player since 2011 uh, to average 15 points, 12 rebounds, and shoot over 60% in NCAA women's basketball. So uh, I think really um, just speaks to her impact uh, on our program success. You know, at the timing of this taping, we're here on Tuesday, but on Thursday, Nebraska, back on December 21st, you had, uh, it was your first loss, triple overtime. I was actually listening to the game, listening to Stephen Davis on the call, and it was just back and forth, obviously, a lot of lead changes and just couldn't uh, dig it out. How, how excited are you to have them in your own <laughs> building, knowing that you don't have to go up there because we know their fan base would be, what, Eight nine thousand, yeah. And, and and last night our fan base was great. It was a re- really good atmosphere. But talk about that game on December twenty first and how excited you are to have a third game in a row in Allen Fieldhouse. Well, I think uh, you know Nebraska is really solid. Um, they've got weapons on the perimeter. Uh, their their interior is really good as well. Um, they made some really hard shots in key moments. And we missed some layups at game point. Uh, so it's frustrating. Holly Kerskeeter, I played her way too much in that game. She was coming off the flu um, and, you know, should have given her uh, more breaks. Um, but, you know, our team was different back then. Um, you know, Ioana Hatzelionti was playing, and, and uh, we haven't had her now for two months. So uh, we're, we're playing a little bit different style. Uh, but I know it's, it's going to be a tremendous challenge. Um, as for our crowd, I thought it was terrific last night and uh, so grateful to our administration um, for, you know, supporting us in our efforts uh, to have home games during this tournament. It, kind of expand on that, like how, how everything works. And, you know, we talked last night about how, how proud you were of our administration and making this happen. Well, I, I think uh, the people who are running the WNIT um, are smart. Uh, to it, it becomes a bidding. There's a minimal bid for each round, but then um, as you advance, um, it's a bidding process. And to pit Kansas and Missouri, um, you know, in a, in a bidding process is smart. Right. Um, to pit Kansas and Nebraska, um, right. you know, uh, but but credit Travis and Nicole, um, you know, for supporting you know our young women and and giving us the opportunity to to have great experiences in Allen Fieldhouse. Yeah, and you talk about the team being a little bit different uh, from when you guys uh, faced Nebraska early in the year. And, and, of course, we all know that that game that is leading right up until the Christmas break can oftentimes be a trap game, especially when it's on the road. Now you have an opportunity to play with Nebraska on your home court, playing some of your best and most energized basketball. Talk to us a little bit about how you turn the disappointment of uh, having mm-hmm. – missed out on the NCAA tournament to a determination to have these girls come out and play well because not a lot of teams do that well. They let the disappointment of maybe missing out on the tournament linger. Maybe they just want to get the season over with, but that certainly hasn't been the case for your group these last two games and and even beyond. So what were some things that you keyed on in helping those girls understand that? Yeah, Wayne, I mean, we were were devastated um, and and shocked. I mean, we we didn't see any way that selected based on the numbers and, and the criteria that the committee uh, talks about. Um, so we were hurt, we were angry, um, frustrated, uh, and, and to be honest, um, 
I didn't know that I was going to be able to, you know, I think I had to um, kind of coach myself through it a little bit. Um, but then we just talked about, you know, that we have to turn these emotions and convert them into um, a sense of gratitude uh, for the opportunity to continue to compete for Kansas to perhaps do it um, in Allen Fieldhouse uh, and that there was something to, to be won. And, and um, you know, there's, a, there's a, a, a right way to respond. And um, fortunately, I think, especially in the second half of the Western Kentucky game, we kind of got out of that funk a little bit and um, have competed really hard. And our practices have been short, um, but I've been energetic and enthusiastic. Yeah, I mean, you turn an adversity into a positive. That's kind of what you have to do as a coach all the time. You have losses, you have whatever. And so the criteria, you know, I, I think on the men's side and the women's side, we're all kind of like, all right, what, what do you want us to do? You know, and, and now I love the fact that you, you didn't just run and hide. And we saw some programs on the men's side say, I don't want to play in the NIT. Yeah. Uh, but how valuable is it for that, even though you're not practicing you're not having long practices, but it's, it's good to have them still together. You're going to have a big core coming back. And how, how important is it to have these extra games? Well, Greg, we felt like um, we do have a lot of players coming back and, and three who are going to use their COVID year who are significant parts of our program. Um, we referenced a few years ago Arizona, um, you know, won the NIT, uh, and the next year uh, went to the Final Four and played for the national championship. And as we saw out in Arizona this year, their fan base is, is phenomenal. And that was the tournament that really, um, I think, built that, that base that is now really consistent. So uh, we referenced that and, um, you know, just talking about, hey, this is what you came to Kansas for was to play basketball um, and, and to do it for, for your school and for your program and, and for your community. And um, like I said, I just uh, – uh, I give the players a lot of credit for for responding um, what we feel like is the right way. How much do you, you know, back in November we were on the rubber chicken circuit banquet, whatever, you and Bill talking to, you know, we go to Topeka, Kansas City, Wichita, and all over the place. But you referenced that Arizona game. You said, hey, let's schedule a game or two on the road in Nebraska, Arizona, to get us to the NCAA tournament. You you do that, you go to Arizona and beat a top 10 Arizona team at the time, you do everything that you think you're supposed to do. How much conversation will you have with the NCAA and the committee? Is there even a chance to do that? Can you say, like, we did what we thought we were supposed to do. Tell us what we did wrong. Well, um, I think those are conversations uh, that can happen at, at Big 12 meetings, um, you know, when you have – uh, representatives from the NCAA there. Um, I think we do have to own, um, as our players have, that we didn't do enough. Um, the TCU loss killed us. We had two bad losses, uh, one at K-State when Holly Kerskeeter was out with a concussion, um, and then we just laid an egg. Uh, and um, so we have to own that. Uh, the problem is with the scheduling, because I was given information last spring um, on how, how to upgrade our schedule, but now we've done that for two years. Yeah. So, I mean, we're playing UConn next year. We're playing Virginia Tech. who uh, One was a two seed. One was a one seed. Uh, we're playing Nebraska again. We're playing at Texas A&M. Uh, so I hope at some point uh, strength of schedule and net um, does become an important factor um, 
because we were the only team that was in the uh, 30s uh, that did not get in. There were six teams uh, that had a, a higher net than us that got in, and we also had more top 50 wins than those same six teams that got in. So um, that part is what it is, but I, I also think as a program, uh, as a player and as a coach, you have to own that we didn't do enough and um, fight to not let that happen again. You know, you'd mentioned some other uh, notable fan bases uh, earlier uh, in, the, in the recording in uh, Arizona, Nebraska, and actually one of the, uh, the top uh, fan base attendance for a Kansas women's basketball game happened in a WNIT championship game in Allen Fieldhouse. And so uh, how much have you communicated that to the team, and how much are you hopeful that uh, this fan base uh, comes out and continues to support you guys on this journey because the reality is we still have an opportunity to play for a championship. We still have an opportunity to cut down nets. And so this is still valuable, important, exciting basketball uh, being played. Absolutely. I mean, we referenced uh, the, the picture. There's a picture of the game you're talking about um, when uh, South, I think it was South Florida came to town for the, the WNIT championship and um, for – for what I can tell, it's a full house. And um, we told our players, if you've never seen it, the next time you walk up to the office, stop in the hallway, that's what's possible. Um, now we have to do our part. We have to continue to play well, uh, win games. Um, but I truly believe that, as we saw last night, um, our crowds will grow um, as, as we move forward. And um, we want to do our best, uh, you know, to, to give them what they pay for. You know, there's also uh, been some pretty uh, notable individual mile markers, several of which you've got a chance to tap into, 500th win all time, 100th win as a Kansas basketball coach. Tiana Jackson reset her own record last night in uh, all-time blocks for a single season. Uh, tell us about some of those individual mile markers, how important <laughs> they are for you professionally, but then even what, what Twins have been able to do uh, and the magnitude of that type of, uh, of record. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm so proud of Twin. You know, last year she broke a 30-year-old um, shot block record and uh, turned around and broke it again. And um, somebody asked her about it last night, and the next thing she said was, well, I'm going to break it again next year. So, <laughs> and I think uh, it's even so impressive because now teams know what type of rim protector she is, and they're doing everything they can offensively to keep her away from the basket. We saw that against Western Kentucky. We saw it against Missouri. Five out, one in, you know, or four out, maybe four out, one in, five out. And she's doing an incredible job of even having to guard a perimeter player, stay in front of them, and even contest at the rim. I mean, that's a difficult skill to develop as a, as a shot blocker, 6'6", six, six, and as the yeah. biggest player on the court. I think – shows her versatility, and, and the other thing she has is a head coach who's all over her about do not foul, <laughs> do not foul. Um, so uh, she's been um, judicious, I think, in, in um, her aggressiveness. You know, in the first half last night, you know, we saw her really wall up and not leave her feet and try to stay out of foul trouble. Um, and then as she goes through a game and she knows, hey, I've only got one and we're deep into the second or we're early in the third, well, now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave my feet and I'm going to try to beat it into the bank. You know? <laughs> um, uh, I, I think that's a skill in its own, just to mentally um, be engaged enough to know to pick my spots. Before we let you go, Thursday night, Nebraska in Allen Fieldhouse, you've got past knowledge of them, playing them just three months ago. Give us a scouting report, keys to the game for Thursday night. 
Well, um, just really balanced. They've got a great guard um, in, in, in Shelley, and then uh, they're one of those teams that can bring um, multiple bigs off the bench. Um, you know, they're tough. They're physical. Um, they're really organized in how they play. They're going to run a lot of sets. Um, so in a, in a short preparation, uh, you know, I think our attention to detail is going to be really important. Um, should, should be a great game. I think it's appropriate to end this segment with the call of the week called by Wayne Simeon. Is it? I think I we'll, maybe we'll do the radio call with Stephen <coughs> Davis and David Lawrence. Well, why don't that. you recreate the call, even if it is Stephen's call, and we'll compare and contrast. Hey, well, even though I have to re- recreate the call, it was an incredible call. We alluded to it earlier with uh, Tiana Jackson's uh, record-setting uh, shot block against uh, Missouri, a record that hopefully we'll be having another call again because she certainly plans on, on, on resetting that record, which she certainly has the capability of doing. And so check out uh, the call of the week brought to you by uh, the Casey Barbecue Store. Go and get all of your barbecue store needs. Visit them on their website, caseybarbecuestore.com. Go in and see Dan. Then, of course, don't forget to check out uh, the Gosney Patio Pizza Dome, which can only be bought exclusively at the Kansas City Barbecue Store. All right. Thanks, Coach. Appreciate Thank you. you. Jay Elker Podcast, Brandon Snyder, brought to you by the University of Kansas Health System. Kelly goes inside against Jackson, tries to get a shot up, partially blocked. KU's got it. Jackson just tied to her single-season block shot record from a year ago. It was late, and one of my patients was having trouble sleeping. He was feeling uneasy, he told me. I asked him, is there anything I can do to help? I'm pretty sure he's the only patient ever to ask me to dance at 2 a.m., But sometimes, being the best nurse I can be is just being the best person I can be. And we're back with a Jayhawker podcast. Just had Brandon Snyder. Nice little sit down with him. Coming off back-to-back women's NIT victories here in Allen Fieldhouse with a third one coming up in a couple days. So good stuff from uh, Coach Brandon. I know he's a great friend of yours, and it's fun to see their success coming off of a time of adversity when they didn't make the NCAA tournament and there was frustrations and uh, you and I talked, but they've turned a negative into a positive. Yeah, um, and they're still playing March basketball, which is uh, an advantage for, for any program. Uh, the more you can continue to keep your team on the floor and, and progress in advance to, to continue to get exposure uh, like they are, and they're trying to obviously uh, increase uh, their recruiting footprint uh, locally, regionally, but especially in the Kansas City area, there's a ton of local talent uh, here in the Kansas City area on the women's basketball side, one of which is going to be coming next year in the, the five-star uh, recruits of Maya Nichols. And so, um, yeah, they're great, and they're try- trying to keep, it, keep the thing going. You know, when you, you just made a statement, and it kind of made my – I kind of got hurt in my stomach when you said they're continuing on into March Madness. And, unfortunately, on the men's side, we are not – and uh, that was a gut punch. Um, that was not expected, but it's the craziest tournament out there. It's what makes it great, even though it, doesn't make, it didn't make it great for us. I'm referring to, obviously, the one-point defeat in Des Moines this past weekend uh, against, the, uh, against Arkansas. You and I were obviously there, and it was, uh, it was, it was a tough one to swallow. Um, but... As I said in post-game and several other interviews I've done since then, you know, when you're in it, 
as much as we're in it, this is going to happen. Sucks. 32 years of NCAA basketball tournaments, we've won the national championship three times. So what happened on Saturday has happened more often than winning it all. At drive home, you and I were on the phone for about an hour of it just trying to to absorb it and digest it and figure out where Vince, we were venting we're a little venting. bit too. Amy had to sit there and listen to you and I uh, complain about everything, and 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 uh, it sucks. There's no other way to put it. Um, it's like your dog died. I mean, we're just you have an empty feeling. Our fan base, our coaches, our players, and that's the more important piece. The guys that have put their heart and soul into this, we think we have as well, and we're sad, but. It's the, it's the players, it's the coaches, and it's the entire support staff that just feels a void. Yeah, you know, it's one of the most difficult tournaments uh, out there, which is why it's uh, such a joyous occasion when teams get selected for it. Um, I know it's become quite the norm for us over the years, but that's still a big deal, and it certainly is a big deal when you're able to win it all. And so one of the things, just perspective-wise, is it's what makes last year even more special yeah. uh, is understanding how difficult uh, this thing is. And, and I think you said it right, as, as frustrated as, as uh, you and I are from a former player standpoint or our, our, our loyal fan base, which they certainly have the right to be, you know, no one's hurting more uh, than those, that group of guys uh, there in that locker room. And, and it's such, an abrud- uh, such an, a, a, a sudden stoppage yeah. of your season. Uh, and no one, no one forecasts the ending that way, especially in the first weekend. Like, yeah. first weekend uh, exits, especially when you're a one seed, are, are, are just devastating. You know, a couple of years ago, we, we lost in the first weekend to Auburn. But that wasn't a team like this. That was a team that was, I believe we were a four seed. We were in Salt Lake City. It wasn't regional because we didn't do enough during the regular season to earn the, the geographical advantage that you get when you're a one seed to go to just three hours away in Des Moines. Uh, but if I don't see Des Moines for a while, I'm okay with that. <laughs> it was like uh, zero degrees out and wasn't a whole lot to do. But that's just my uh, – I, I think I'd feel different. It's kind of like the beer's always colder when you win, you know. Yeah. It's kind of like that. It's nothing against Des Moines, but that was frustrating uh, that it was so cold and looking at it selfishly. But, but uh, again, three years ago in Salt Lake, there wasn't the sting – there wasn't the burn. We ran into a team that went to the Final Four in Auburn, and who knows what will happen to Arkansas, but uh, uh, they played better in that 10-minute span than we did. We never established a bigger – early on when they were missing everything and, and we had a nice lead, we never really got that up any higher. We allowed them to hang around. It was a 10-, 12-point deficit for them, and we couldn't make it 20, and we had a lot of opportunities – uh, there's a lot of things you can point back to the, the, in the second half, front ends of one and ones the 10-second call, which to this day I still think was, was an awful call. Like, I, you and I watch a ton of basketball. That happens all the time. His foot was on the line, and for a guy to make that call baffles me. Uh, you know, whatever. I'm sure the pool reporter or whatever they say, well, it was the right call. The, the director of officials will say that. But sure. we've seen it so many times not called. I just – it's like calling three seconds on game point. It's just, it just doesn't happen. And so – and then – but, hey, look at our game compared to the K-State game against Kentucky. They made shots in the final three minutes. We didn't. 
Arkansas made shots in the final three minutes. We didn't. That was the difference in the game. It's a shot maker's tournament. And for the record, I'm still still licking my wounds. I haven't watched one NCAA tournament play since since we've lost. Really? I don't know that I will. Um, yeah, still 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 feeling the sting uh, from that. But we had opportunities. Yeah. And it, I think the frustrating thing is is that uh, we could have and should have beat Arkansas. I think that you know it came down to to one or two small little plays that didn't have necessarily all that to do with game-winning shots. Uh, you think about, you know, turnover on side out of bounds, and that's just something that's simple as going after a basketball with two hands yeah. in traffic. You know, two uh, – and, and that personnel switch was because of foul trouble. You have Zach in there. He's just not yeah. in the game very much. And we've been and he, vulnerable in that all year right. long, right? Bench, you know, bench get, came get back to hurt us. Yeah, yeah that's a, that, that was a little tough. And you get the, the you know, the missed free throw block out. And, uh, and then another offensive rebound. So those are small little intangible yeah. things that you're like, man, if we just could have gotten some of those, that could have been, that could have been the difference between winning and losing. And, you know, hey, I, I didn't think the whistle was all that bad. Um, you know, I like physical games. You know, yeah. I kind of prefer that. The, the, the one that surprised me the most was the technical foul. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and this is why. Usually – when there's some type of chippiness or chirping going on in, in, in that type of setting, um, especially when the play is stopped, yeah, and it was it was they were lining up for a free throw. Usually, the official steps in and gives guys a one because the play stopped. Okay, right. they were they were separated. There was no threat of a physical altercation. Um, you know, you have a first-team All-American who you've officiated before. Usually there's some type of – And that of, was Marcus Pettigrew you know, who officiated. Big 12, yeah, yeah, yeah. Big 12 yeah. guy. Yeah, usually there's, there's you know, a, 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 warning. a, a grace or a, a warning or respect. Hey, I've officiated you before. Hey, I know, you know, we know each other. And so that just really surprised me, um, you know, in the in, And in that, that had a huge And, and that was his third, right? That was no, his, it was his second. Okay, okay. Now what happened was – you know, I was sitting courtside, obviously, and, and there was a play where the, they drove to the basket and they caught a foul on Jalen, and he had an and one. They go to the free throw line, and they're both barking at each other a little bit, but zero fouls turned into two in one second. Uh, and that put Jalen on the bench the rest of the way, mm -hmm. and, and we actually held the lead or maybe even increased on the lead while he was on the bench, but it, it definitely took our best scorer off the floor, and so – you know, we can talk about game point when the block charge on Kevin. Uh, I don't know. I, the thing I always find, whatever you call, be demonstrative about it. Don't just – they kind of went like this, then he goes, block. Like, that tells me they didn't know what to call. So why blow the whistle? Why I – mean, 99 times out of 100, that's a charge throughout the year. And at game point, they called it a block. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's that's tough, and it, you know, something that you know, Kevin has to decide in that moment. Uh, maybe he didn't know time and score, and usually in settings like that, you want to do whatever you can do not to put the decision in the officials' hands. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, that that that's a difficult one. And then you even know, to then, be able to, he gets to get two back. free throws. He misses the second one, and to your point, we can't come down with the rebound. That would have been a one-point game with the ball. Instead. The free throw shooter, Ricky Council, got it back, got fouled again, made both. Then it turns into a three-point game. And then you bring into the other coach, does he foul? They actually didn't foul the three-point shooter. Jalen got fouled on a drive to the bucket. He made both free throws, and they did it again. And 
They fouled before we got the three up, and that's all she wrote. Jalen did his best to miss, and he banked it in. Because you uh, don't practice missing. You know, it's fun, funny. When I got home, and, and my sons were asking me, hey, how come, how come Jalen didn't miss? He, he shot it off the backboard. Have back you board. seen him bank well, one in this he, year? Yeah, he was <laughs> trying to miss it, but it, it's interesting. And free throw shooting is another thing. Look, we practice free throw shooting every day. There, there isn't much to it. You right. just practice it. Some guys got it. Some guys don't. It's one of the most difficult things you ever do in sports, especially when the game's on the line, yeah. millions of people watching. Uh, but when it comes to missing that free throw, it's actually harder it's than harder what you would think it would be. Uh, I did like the adjustment uh, that, that, that Coach Roberts had. He had Ernest Uday right. Uh, hop right back in there to possibly try to get a tip back. And so things were set up. Um, man, it just, uh, just banked in and was unfortunate. All right, I've been asked this a lot. And I want to get your take on it. Eric Musselman's antics after the game, thoughts? Well, I mean, the best way to keep that from happening is win the ball game, you know. And so, it's a very uh, politically it, it, correct way. I to mean, say. it's just the right thing to do, you know. Whether it's you know any type of celebration, whether it's when we're on the road and we constantly have what happens when we when we lose Storm on the road court. every single time, every single time, right? And. There's always controversy kind of around that. And, you know, the best way to, to, to eliminate that is to win the ball game. And so, um, but, but we got to understand, like, it's a big deal when people beat Kansas. Yeah. So, in, in some ways, it's a, it's a compliment. Now, does it get under your skin? Does it irritate you? Yes. Um, but it is a big deal when you see a one seed or a, a program of our pedigree, you know, get, get, get upset. Wow, that's a, such a uh, political politically correct way to answer that question. So, so, so what's the right more, answer? Did you have a, more you have a right a, answer? It was more of a deflection more than anything. I thought it was clownish. I thought it was immature. I thought it showed disrespect. I feel that it showed disrespect to his team. He made it about him and didn't make it about the guys on the floor that won the game. All we're seeing now is Eric Musselman with his shirt off in a th- round of 32 games. To me, and we know our coach won't do that. We know that, well, 99% of the coaches wouldn't do that. And I know my Arkansas friends will say, well, he did it in Nevada, and he did it. He's been doing it in Arkansas. I didn't make it right. I mean, I think just show a little class, show a little respect, and don't put the attention on you. You're the coach. You're, you're a great coach. You're a great coach. Been to back-to-back elite eights, have a chance to get to back back-to-back-to-back to back to back Elite Eights and maybe a Final Four, and who knows, and you made it about yourself. So, so My which, thoughts. Which do you think is worse? Because part of the reason why I'm not all that uh, impressed or have a lot of commentary around Eric Musselman's antics is because we saw earlier another head coach's antics in the season that was far more egregious and annoying than that, and that was Coach Drinkowitz holding the sign oh my God. in the student section at – at, at, at Mizzou. I never thought I'd see anything worse than that, and I still that. If we compare the two, Oof. even though we did oh. win big at, at Mizzou, I'm, I'm putting that one, Oof. I'm putting that, my, my, my annoyance meter is a lot higher on that one, which, and the which difference allows is, me to, to bypass Musselman. And the difference is, that's the football coach doing it <laughs> at a basketball game. I, I've never seen anything like that either, and I, I, just, I, I just, the pettiness to do that to me and that game. And we never really just, we discussed it a little bit, but uh, when you got Lane Kiffin on Twitter tweeting a picture of Eli Drinkwitz holding it, it says, come on, man, that's 
that should tell you everything. <laughs> I don't know Lane Kiffin. I just know that he sometimes puts his foot in his mouth and he's questioning that. That was a good poll on your part. I, I kind of forgot about that, but you're right. You compare the two and, and uh, my, my opinion is show it on the floor. You know, go out, get your guys ready, win, and, and the accolades will come. But to do clown-type stuff like that, to, to us, obviously, in the most hollowed grounds of college basketball, mm-hmm. would never happen, and everybody gets sick of tradition and how we all talk about it, but it's true. I mean, you don't, I mean that's just – you're just trying to draw attention to yourself, take it away from the team. I've talked about it too long. You deflected. I'll take the heat. Not that I don't know if there'll be any heat, but I just I think it's ridiculous. Good luck to them. They play. They beat us. We're not taking nothing away from them. You're actually the only thing you're taking away from them is the focus on them and on your, you know, bad body. I would never do that because I have a worse body. <laughs> but anyway, as we move forward and put the, uh, you know, close up this season uh, as far as basketball wise and move forward into uh, a time that we're going to probably have. A ma- see a ton, a massive amount of replacements, because I do think there's going to be some departures. Yesterday we we saw the announcement that Cam Martin is leaving. There's probably going to be others to follow. We know that in all likelihood, Jalen Wilson, Grady Dick, Kevin McCuller are going to be gone. Those are three of your top five scores, um, and you're going to have some bench guys have to make a decision. So we've already signed our three guys from the high school ranks, and I believe our fourth uh, possibly could be here next year as well. So there's four. And uh, what are our needs? You know, you, you look at the wing position, Grady, Jalen, Kevin. The three high school kids are all guards. Do we have enough trust in three brand-new freshmen picking up the slack for a fifth-year player, a fourth-year player, and a freshman Grady Dick that was an elite shooter. I don't know. The only opportunity now, because there's not like there's a Grady Dick out there in high school that's, hey, where should I go to college next year? It just doesn't happen. Yeah, those guys are gone. It's going to be the transfer portal. 173 kids put their name in the transfer portal on the first day. First day. That means that number's going to grow to probably in the thousand, or at least a thousand. Now you got to be good and pick and choose. Unfortunately, now our staff is up there perusing that site and trying to figure refresh, out. Refresh, refresh, refresh. And, and trying to figure out who we need to replace and who is a good fit. And, and there's, gonna, there, there's 16 teams still in the tournament. And there's going to be a lot of guys from those 16 teams that will be in the transfer portal in two weeks. So it's kind of hard to pinpoint something when you don't know the full list. Yeah, you know, it really is. And in, in, in this type of setting, you don't lose early in the tournament and then head to Cabo or, you know, yeah, off the vacation. That's not the NBA. Yeah. It's, a, it, it's back to work. You know, the guys will get a week off uh, likely, and then they'll get back, you know, into doing some some individual workouts and some some lifting and some off-season conditioning and, and kind of reset the process, you know, all over again. But, you know, that is just a, kind of a, a unique dynamic uh, that the portal adds is uh, – you know, just a little bit new uh, facet of recruiting, you know. And uh, one of the things that Coach Self has gone on to say several times is he likes to be older, right, and he wants to get more athletic. Yep. So I'd imagine that those are the criteria in which they're probably evaluating the, the portal. 
Um, and hey, who's an, an older upperclassman out there that's had, you know, real experience against Power Five? Maybe not in the Power Five, but a lot of times you see mid majors playing multiple Power Five teams. Maybe they've got uh, some, some tournament experience as well. Um, hey, obviously we're going to need to find another knockdown shooter, um, as, as that was something that we labored in with that, with that last game. And then LinkedIn athleticism. Um, is something that I imagine is going to be a key key priority as well. You know, you said you didn't watch any basketball on Sunday. I did. Amy, Sunday night was like – I did yard work all day long. I really? mulched oh, all wow. day. Huh. Stewed. Wow. Are you sore? Yes. That's why I don't do that. <laughs> uh, proud of you. No, not for me. Um, I sat on my fat butt for 12 hours – and watched pretty much every single game that was on TV. That's the difference between you and me. You can you can take it and put it away, but you have what eleven kids at home. I've got zero. This sh- six under this shy shy of that. Okay, Five I'm sorry. Is fine. Seems like a lot. Seems like a lot coming from an empty nester. Uh, but yeah, I sat there and I watched it all. And my point is, we saw. You know, we talked a lot about Arkansas's athleticism leading up to our game, and and I don't know if that really took over until late in the game. I think they were getting offensive rebounds. They were making athletic shots. I mean, the shot that Ricky Council made at game, well, it wasn't game point, but it was a tie ball game. They had the ball was about a minute on the clock. He got the switch he wanted, which we wanted too, where KJ's on him. KJ can defend anybody. He does a really good job on him, forces him to the right. He takes a fadeaway, I don't know, 17-footer. Pro shot. Yeah. And made it. And that's the difference. And so when we watched K-State and Kentucky, when we watched all the games on Sunday, at least I did, guys made shots down the stretch. And that's taking nothing away from our guys. But we had to get it done at the free throw line because we weren't making shots. They were fouling. But Bill, Norm, KT, and Jeremy and the rest of our staff are going to look for that Ricky Council or for that Davis or for whoever that – we can replace our three scores with. Is he out there? Is he out? That's the question. Um, well, we can have pretty good confidence in that as we think about our previous two transfer portal guys in Remy Martin and and, and, and the difference. You know, transfer portal's been around now for two years. This will be the third. And and Bill dabbled. You know, because we had a lot of returners. Even though two years ago Remy Martin was the stud. But you also had Jalen Coleman-Lands, Joe Yesifu, Cam Martin. But th- then you get Kevin McCullough. So he's really found one guy each year. Now he's probably going to have to find, I don't know, four? What do you think the number is? I don't know. Potentially we got to see yeah, we got, chess pieces move. Little, yeah. Um, and I thought there would be more movement last year, but everybody came back. You know, you look at some of the guys that didn't really – play much this year they're probably evaluating like all right if I couldn't get it this year what's gonna make me think I'm gonna get it next year I mean, that's gonna have to be a decision that a lot of guys make with their family and their 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 group everybody's got a group and uh it's probably your AAU coach your high school coach your mom and dad whatever and so it'll be an interesting next week couple weeks and uh I think next time we come back we'll we'll try to get a coach on with us to kind of recap the season and then talk about next year's team because we want to we want to turn the page you know we don't want to dwell on what happened it needs to stick in our minds and know how 
so, so our guys know how abruptly it can come to an end. Two weeks ago, we were flying high. We we're a one seed. We're going to Des Moines. I think we're going to Vegas. And seven days, six days later, we're done. Career's over. Time's over. Now we're sitting there. You're laying mulch. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm eating chips and drinking <laughs> beer on my sofa. So it's the difference between 50-year-old and a 40-year-old. I like to talk about... Uh, Black and Veach, a new supporter, an additional supporter of the Jayhawker podcast, comes from Black and Veach, where employee owners are building a world of difference. Visit bv.com to learn more about how Black and Veach is solving humanity's biggest infrastructure challenges. Another great sponsor of ours is the Hilton President Downtown. You and I spent a ton of time down there a couple of weeks ago. Uh, their, their, their options with the stay and play come down have breakfast, have lunch, have dinner. You got great food. Hundred feet away from the, a uh, couple hundred feet away from the Power and Light, the T-Mobile Center. Now that basketball is over, well, you could go down there now if you're a true basketball fan. And even though you're a KU supporter, as you're listening to the Jacker podcast, call Philip Stranod. Go to the President Hotel. If you just love basketball, Texas will be there. I don't really want to see Texas anymore because that probably. Texas probably kept us out of Kansas City, and they're the ones going there. Would you say that's probably accurate? Uh, maybe. A loss in Austin, yeah. a loss in Kansas City. I don't. We still thought we were going to get it, but now it's ironic that they're the team. But check out the President Hotel, downtown Kansas City, right off the Power and Light. Call Phillips Trinod and check it out. What else we got, buddy? Is this going to do it for – Two days, three days after the uh, abrupt ending. Yeah, this will do it. Got a uh, another uh, border showdown or border war, as you and I grew up in that uh, era with. It's a war. Uh, Kansas and Missouri baseball playing at Kauffman Stadium on on, night. on on Wednesday, Wednesday night. Yeah, uh, I think we got some good weather for that. So April seventh, the showcase Kansas football be a Friday night. Uh, over at David Booth Memorial Stadium. So get that on your calendar. We'll all be the there. The following weekend, the 100th uh, running of the Kansas Relays. And so we look forward to having some guests on around the yeah. spring showcase, spring ball, and relays. And so even though Kansas basketball is on the men's side is done for this spring, we'll still have some incredible things to talk about and some, some awesome guests to be on. So make sure you guys stay locked in with us. we got the banquet, the basketball banquet in between there. We'll hear a Brian Haney poem. As he always, he's probably writing that right now. Have some draft preparation, have some NBA playoffs getting started up. We'll have to tap into some of our Jayhawks in the NBA from scout standpoint, coaches, maybe you can find a player or two to get on. So, you yeah, and I, lots going on. You and I are planning on going to Vegas this summer for another summer league event where we'll have some former players that are coaches and scouts in the NBA, plus our current players that will be playing in the, w, in, in the uh, summer league will come out and we had a, we had an event last year with all those guys so looking forward to that so a lot to look forward to don't want to dwell too much on what happened but uh, it is what it is it's frustrating but uh, we will always be here for you to give you the best content possible isn't that right that's right well this is the Jayhawker podcast thanks to Brandon Snyder for being our guest in preparation for Thursday night's WNIT matchup you'll be on the call once again with Josh Klingler, Stephen Davis, and David Lawrence on the radio. You will be on TV, obviously, because of your, your 
wonderful look. Mainly because I'm I'm three and zero right now in that call, so I think they're gonna keep Klingler and I locked step together on those calls until until we drop one. No brainer. We'll see you Thursday night in the fog against Nebraska. Thanks, buddy. This has been the Jay Hawker podcast, brought to you by the University of Kansas Health System. <laughs> <laughs>